talking about a little bit here today and look forward to the conversation. It's time for the morning tithe and offering. All in favor of tithing, say aye. Yeah. The Bible says when you tithe, God opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessing. And I would say that's absolutely true. Each, uh, each offering, I like to pray over a segment of the economy. And today I want to pray over the people who manage our wildlife and our fish. And so maybe fish and game or fish and wildlife. Uh, I think it's a key thing that we manage that really well. But uh, you know, when you're, a, when you're a pastor and you fly, people ask you what you do. You, you have to decide, do I want to keep this conversation going? And if you do, you say, I do leadership development. Uh, I'm part of a global firm, meaning God. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't really feel like talking too much to this lady today on the plane uh, yesterday or Friday. So I said, I'm a pastor. She goes, oh, I disagree with you. <laughs> I said, I didn't even say what I believe. She goes, I know, but I disagree with you. I said, oh, that didn't work. She goes, I'm an animal rights activist, and I think nobody should eat animals ever because I don't like living things to die. I said, well, it breaks my heart to kill spinach. It's living. She goes, you got a point there, you know, because dead things don't taste good. You know what I'm saying? They had to be alive at some point before they taste good. So... Uh, Lord, we pray today that you'll help those in our congregation and around the state who manage our polar bears, our seals, our walrus, our ugaruk, our whales. They manage our dolphins. They manage our belugas. They manage our salmon, our trout. They uh, manage our polar bears, our moose, our caribou. Uh, I'm sure somebody here even studies mosquitoes. And so, God, for these people that help us, uh, keep our food supply going, those who make sure the streams are clean, the oceans are pure, those who deal with uh, contamination, and those that are mindful of your creation. We take this to be seriously Christian, because the Bible says, go and preach the gospel to all creation. The good news of Jesus is as good for a mountain and as good for a river and a stream as it is for everything else. We preach the good news to creation. We thank you that you happen to let us live in the best part of your creation. Uh, yeah, the people say that God vacations in Maui or whatever, but he lives in Alaska. So uh, we love our state. We love our land. Thank you for the song from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. Thank you for the great land. We love you, Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you as you give your offerings today. Special thank you to Linda Moore and the team from Texas that were here. We couldn't get all the thank yous in appropriate last week. Uh, the whole thing happened uh, basically because of the work of Randy and Linda Moore. And we are so thankful for that. If you uh, come by in a day or two, you can look in. The Champions Club, the walls are in, the carpet's in. Uh, the equipment is not yet in, but it's a beautiful thing. And uh, we are very, very thankful for the donations people gave. We're thankful for the work. We're thankful for every part. So, Linda, please receive our thanks. Help me say thank you to Linda Moore for uh, Champions Club. Today, we're going to talk about our soul. We're going to talk about the soul. And I hope it'll be fun and encouraging to you. I suggest that the message today is worth a million dollars in your finances. I'm not 
being hyperbolic or filled with hyperbole, I really think that this is worth a million dollars. Secondly, I think it's worth an added five years of healthy living. And I think that there's some depth in the Word of God that we have today that is so fun and simple that we often uh, miss it to go to greater things. We're talking today about people of realized potential align the nature, character of God, and their spirit, soul, and body all aligning the same way. And we are considering the role of our body. Last week, we talk, I tried to get you to dance. That was not super successful with most of you because we don't move and we're proud of it. But I'm telling you, if I can get you to do this today in the house of the Lord with the music, it's good for your body. It's good for your fight against disease. It's good for your joy. It's good for your spirit. It's good for every part of you when you get that, that part of your body rolling. And uh, then I'm today talking about what happens inside the soul of a man, a soul of a human being. Apologize for my mic cord there. And uh, the good things that happen when you, when, you, when you deal with your soul really well. My text is 1 Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, whole soul, and whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Lord, as we study the Bible today, may we find insight into our soul, we pray. Amen. So we're considering the interactivity of the spirit with the soul and the body, and the soul with the spirit and the body, and the body with the spirit and the soul. And as we consider that, we come to understand the effect the soul has on both the spirit and the body. The soul is really a dominating word in the Bible. It's in almost a thousand times in the Old Testament. Almost a thousand times in the Old Testament is this idea of your soul. And uh, the most common term for soul in Greek in the New Testament is psyche, psuche in Greek. And so uh, when we talk about the soul, we have to figure out what it is we're talking about. And so I would like to call the soul the inner being, just all that inner being stuff. Everything that happens inside you is your soul. And it's your soul that causes you to enjoy a sunset. Did you see the sunset? Was it yesterday where it was this big red sun moving through the cloud, uh, through the smoke? And, and that's like, praise God for smoke. It made the sun pretty. Anyways, uh, there's that. And, and you, how many of you like that? That was beautiful. That happened in your soul, right? Or uh, the World Cup. Uh, it's your soul that likes when the U.S. beat France in the semifinal of the World Cup. Uh, it's your soul that likes that. It's your soul that likes to win. It, uh, you caught a fish and you had great joy. That's in your soul. It, you fell in love. That happened in your soul. You, you, the, all the inner workings. When I was young, they called it mind, will, and emotions. And that's sort of close, but not real uh, encompassing. My dog has mind, will, and emotions. And so in that way, my dog would have a soul. 
But according to the word of the Lord, that is different. Because the Bible says that God created the animals, and then at the end, God created human beings. And it says that he breathed into Adam the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. So your soul and an animal's soul are distinctively different. There's, there's something about that breath of God. I loved the song we sang in live. It's your breath in my lungs, so I sing out your praise. Everybody take a breath. That came from your mom, which came from her mom, which came from her mom, which came from Eve, which came from God breathing into her. That breath you just took is directly from God. It is a direct gift from God. For human breath. It's, what a, it's part of that inner workings of what it is to be a human being and, and what it is to, to enjoy a flower, what it is to do some art and enjoy it or take a picture and think it's beautiful or write a poem and enjoy the poetry that you've created. Or in my case, none of my work is ever done. When you work with people, you're never done. You go, praise God, you're holy, I'll go help this guy. And you help this guy, and you look around, that one fell. You go help that one, now this one fell. I mean, it's never done. However, my lawn, when you mow it, it's mowed, right? And so I'm like, I, I'm going to go mow my lawn because, and that happens in my soul. It's like, yeah, that was fun. I like that thing being, being green. I, I never knew, I don't know how to make a lawn very green, but right now my soul is happy because Scott's turf builder worked for me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah, so... That's all that inner stuff. Uh, uh, somebody said, hey, uh, a, a, a tough word, and it, it grieved you. It grieved you in your soul. It was painful in that inner part of your being. And although your spirit, soul, and body are one unity, the Bible also reveals there is diversity between the spirit, soul, and body. In other words, you can't separate your soul over there and your spirit over there and your body here. You are integrated. You can't separate it. At the same time, the Bible says the word of God is powerful and sharper than any razor blade, able to divide the soul and the spirit. So in some cases and in some ways, the soul and the spirit can be divided. In other ways, they're inseparable. And so when we take a look at this idea that there's unity and diversity in the human being's body, we can understand how they greatly impact each other, how they greatly impact each other. The soul greatly impacts all of you. If today I can get you laughing, or not even me, today if you can find your laugh, today if you can lighten up, you're going to find that's good for your spirit. You're going to pray better. When your soul is, is filled with uh, joy, you're going you're gonna to serve better. Your boss is going to be happier. Uh, for example, I'll share, next week I'm going to talk about being positive. Uh, uh, I'll give one stat from next week. They found that doctors who went into, the, um, into their uh, diagnosis room, that goes into their, into their appointment room, then they're positive about their day. They more accurately diagnose the patient more quickly, 19% of the time. So before you let your doctor get his knife out to do surgery, you might want to say, are you happy today? You know, uh, you, you got your joy on yourself. And, and so this whole idea, it impacts. It, everything impacts everything in your life. I like it this way. You love, you laugh, you hope, you grieve, you think, you feel, and you will. All in your soul. 
It's a big part of you. And wouldn't you say that love's one of the greatest things that God put on the earth? You know, for all these people that think that, that there is no God, that the, the world is just an orderly accident. You know, there is no science without order. You know that. Because the world is orderly, there can be science. But they don't want to say there's anybody who created order. So I listened to this atheist talk about order and that everything is ordered. There is no God. There's just order. And the interviewer said to the guy, he said, I got a question for you. If everything is ordered, how do you explain love? And the scientist was like, that's a problem for us, he says, because you can't explain love. That happens in your soul. You know, why, why does your dog love you? You know, nobody else does, but I, you can't explain it. You know, the more you say to your dog, like today, yesterday I said to my dog, you cannot go, the happier he got, right? It's like, you are a crazy dog, but the fact you can't explain these things, you can't explain why, why somebody was kind to you, why, why somebody went the extra mile and bragged on you. I was at a, a wedding yesterday. John Elshire was wedded yesterday to his beloved Carrie. And I, I, I was at Eagle River Grace. And I said to the pastor, I said, uh, thank you for letting me in your house to do this wedding. She grew up in your church. And uh, probably uh, you would want to do the wedding being the pastor of the bride. And, and uh, I just want to thank you for letting me in the house. You know, I'm Pentecostal. He's not. Uh, he, he goes, hey, man, you're welcome here anytime. You're my A-team. I said, oh, praise God, 18. I said, really? Uh, Thank you. I'm your A-team. He said, you know, since you and I worked together on the Griner funeral, you are my hero and I respect you. I was saying, could you say that again? That felt really good. You know what I'm talking about? When you see something that makes you lament. Science can't explain when when you see something that makes you go awe. Or something that gives you a great sense of wonder. It's this beautiful, beautiful area. Science can't explain humor. Science can't explain why something's funny. And church people, uh, and this is just my experience, we try to take the funny out of people. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, When I became pastor, I was a youth pastor. My basic job was laughing with teenagers into the kingdom of heaven. You know, you just laugh and joke, and and pretty soon they're telling you their troubles. You're taking them to God. They're better. I became senior pastor, and I realized adults don't like to laugh. You know, they were like telling me, you know, you can't be you. You I was in college, and they said, uh, you're going to be the comedian for this event. And don't worry, we have everything written for you. It's all in writing. You just get up and read it. It'll be really funny. So I get, it's the school-wide banquet, like 800 people there. And I show up and the guy goes, I forgot to write the script. So I go, no problem. You didn't write the script. I'm not doing it. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, our comedian today is Kent Redford. They put me up there with no script. So I tell a joke I think is funny. And, and this is when I learned my, my sense of funny wasn't welcome in the house of faith. Because I grew up with this joke. He said, you know, the guy, the pastor went to visit the guy who was sick and, and he was in an oxygen tent and the guy wrote a note and handed the note out to the pastor and died right then. So the pastor gets up at the funeral and says, you know, I'd like to honor the deceased. I have his note. The last words he ever wrote, he wrote on this note. He said, I'd like to read it to you. He opened it up and said, Pastor, get your foot off my oxygen hose. 
I think it's funny. I get called into the president's office. I'm not kidding. Dr. D.V. Hirsch calls me into the president's office. And he goes like this. He has a piece of paper and he puts a big black dot on there. He goes, what do you see? I said, a big black dot. I knew what he wanted to say. He said, no, it's a piece of paper. But because of the dot, all you see is the dot. And in our banquet, all people could see was that terrible joke you told. (laughs) Say, we forgive you, Pastor Kent. I took the same piece of paper and I drew a big black dot. I say, what do you see, Dr. Hurst? He says, "Uh, I see a big black dot. And I said, yeah, and all our school can see is that you're going through a divorce. Listen. Why is my joke pushed out of the church and terrible relationships are welcomed? It's backwards. It's backwards. Yeah, lighten up. Say it with me. Lighten up. You know this is true. You don't need to go to scientific studies to prove this. He worried himself sick. Right? How many of you know worry in your soul can make you sick in your body? Yeah, that's what happened to me on hundreds of airplanes. And uh, I tell you, you can worry yourself sick. How about this? She laughed herself out of a depression. She just like, you know what? I was all depressed, but that tickled my funny bone or however you would say it. And just became a matter, just laughed and laughed and laughed. Have you ever been in a church with holy laughter before? When I was a kid, I was in there, and this lady over here started laughing for no apparent reason, out loud in church. I'm thinking, this is weird. She needs therapy. No, it was the Holy Spirit. Then a lady over here started laughing. Then a guy over there started laughing. And then pretty soon, for an hour, the whole church was just laughing. Nothing happening, just laughing. And finally, everybody take a breath. <gasps> oh, praise God, that's over. <laughs> They'd all start laughing again. My mom and dad reported that for months after that, alcoholism was down, depression was down, anxiety was down, as the Lord came in with just this move of joy, this move of laughter. How about this? You know this is true. You don't need science to know this is true. He died of a broken heart. You know that's true. Especially in a long-term marriage, they've been husband and wife for 70 or 80 years or 60 years, whatever the case may be. When one of them dies, it's often just a matter of weeks or months before the other one dies of a broken heart. How about this about maybe one of your friends? She's so much healthier since she fell in love. You know what I'm talking about? You're just, uh, you're just kind of, you got this friend going along and she's like here. And then also the next time you meet her, she's like here. And you're like, man, you are on, cl- what are you, you're like there. Why are you there? Oh, no reason. Just, you know, you look better. You sound better. You act better. You're more energized. Then finally you figure out she fell in love. And in your soul, when you have love, it does incredible things in your body. It does incredible things for your spirit. The guy who trained me to pastor at Muldoon Assembly's name is Neil Shineman. He told me this at least a hundred times. Kent, it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. Say, you know, I got some stuff going on in my life. I, I gotta I gotta deal with that. And yeah, Lord, give me the right attitude. Give me the right attitude. I, we rely so much on our skills.
our, 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 our capacities. But in fact, it isn't our capacities that determine. It's our attitude. Amen. I say this, it drives people nuts, but I still believe it. Would you rather live next to an obnoxious Christian or a beautiful, happy Muslim? Give me the happy Muslim. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to live by a grouchy Christian. And, uh, uh, you know, just a good, good attitude. Just a, a, a great sense of the goodness of God. The Bible says that the old covenant promises of God are for covenant-keeping people. In Proverbs, in just a moment, God had great promises for you. I'm going to go to one in Proverbs in just a moment. And God says, you know what? I have these great promises for you if you're a covenant keeper. In the new covenant, in the New Testament, there is also God's blessing upon the new covenant keeper. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. That's why the prodigal son story is so rotten. The prodigal son story is rotten because the dad hadn't died. He was still alive. And the kid said, I want my inheritance. In other words, you're dead to me. You're as good as dead to me, dad. I want my inheritance. But when when you establish a will... According to the Hebrews 9, it isn't established until you can prove the death of the one who made the will. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Guess what? God wrote a will, a last will and testament, and it is in the name of his son Jesus. And when his son Jesus died, you were included in the will as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the will, the last testament and the inheritance that God has for you has been initiated at the cross. Amen. When we take that bread in the cup as we conclude, we're not going to take communion sad today. We're going to take it happy. We're going to hold that bread and hold that cup and thank God that we are in the will. Amen. Thank God I'm in the will. You get that rolling around in your soul, it's going to do some mighty fine stuff in your life. And being adopted into his family, I'm in his will. Praise God. Amen. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I sang that all night over every seat in this house. When you sit down today, I pray that you know that God's righteousness is yours and that that gets rolling around in your soul. Well, I have four things. Number one is that pardon of all sin is in his will. All your sin is pardoned by God if you come to Christ and you're in his will. All your sin is gone. Yesterday, it is gone. Erased, eliminated, forgiven. Also in his will is uh, his most glorious righteousness is in his will. Right? So here we got this rolling around in our soul. My sin is pardoned. His righteousness is mine. Number three, he gave me the Holy Spirit. If you're saved today, say I. I. Then he put the Holy Spirit as a deposit inside your spirit and inside of you. You have the residency of the Holy Spirit. He has taken up residency in you. That's according to the will of God. And when you have the will of God to have the Spirit of God in your life, that's some really good stuff to have rolling around in your soul. 
But the most glorious part of the property bequeathed by Jesus to his people is that inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away. Well, so how long will this last? It's going to last forever. And if it lasts forever, guess what? It is reserved for me in heaven. You let that roll around. You know you have an enemy who wants to kill you. The thief cometh not but for to and destroy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, he's got the major problem on his head because he hates you and he wants you dead, right? The, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's planning your demise, right? Okay, let's see. I'm going to kill Kent. Hold it. If I kill Kent, I do the very best thing that he could ever have. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. We don't, when we die, we don't lose. When we die, we get like this incredible inheritance of heaven. It's like my wife is too into this sometimes. I go, Paula, is that depression? She goes, it's not depression. I would just rather go to heaven than Maui. I'm like, well, I'd like Maui on my way to heaven. I, uh, I want to get both in there. Amen. Are you convinced that your inheritance is in heaven? Are you convinced that you're going to breathe celestial air? You're going to walk on streets that are so fantastic, they call them paved with gold. And someday you're going to reach out and take a hand. And for the first time in your life, you will hold the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like incredible. And I get this thing rolling around inside my emotions. I get it rolling around inside my soul. It does great things in my body. It does great things in my spirit. It does great things in my marriage. Great things in my job. Great things in every area of my life. See, Proverbs 17, 22 is a secondary text today. It says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Or a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. In other words, what I let happen in my soul, if it's joyful, it has a direct impact on my body. In other words, joy actively works against disease. Joy actively works against disease. A book I read as I was starting to pastor was the book Lighten Up. I picked it because I was too serious after I realized I couldn't be me, I couldn't laugh, I had to fit everybody's uh, goal for what a pastor is. You know, I've learned since then, but that was when I was 23, I picked it up. And this guy, he, he calls it lighten up because he figured out something. Children with the same cancer as an adult recover much more quickly than the adult does. And in fact, most children that overcome their disease the adults would have succumbed to the disease. So he wanted to know, why is it that kids beat the same disease that kills adults? The word humor means? Because kids know how to lighten up. Do you know what the word humor means? The word humor means fluid. It's a Latin term for water. And the idea of humor is that here you are in a stressful moment in your office meeting, and it's about to be dominated by anxiety and stress, and somebody has just the right humor, that humor lets you bend around the stressful moment. The doctor says to you, I have a diagnosis and it's not good. And you're able to, to laugh. It helps you bend. Maybe illustration A for me in my life is Dave Reaver. 
Dave Reaver was in the Vietnam conflict early on. He pulled the pin on the phosphorus grenade to throw it and clear out the brush so they could see where the enemy was who was shooting at them. And when he put it right there, a sniper's bullet hit the phosphorus grenade. It exploded in his hand and it burned off. uh, 40% of his body was gone in one second. It blew him out of the boat and he landed in the water next to his skin. Right? It's pretty yucky, isn't it? He goes, and I was beside myself. (laughs) You get it? It helps him bend around that. His face is disfigured. His ear is made from plastic. His eyelid is made from his stomach skin. I was, I was with him just before they grafted off of his stomach and put that as an eyelid. He goes, so when I'm hungry, my eye growls. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? He, he said this, I could be sitting at a Veterans of Foreign War bar drinking and getting drunk and drowning my pain, or I can let God give me a sense of joy in the midst of the battle, and I can learn to bend around all the problems. My favorite one is he goes, I'm on this airplane, and this kid is as obnoxious as any kid's ever been. And, uh, and uh, his mom said, he goes, Ooh, what happened to you? He said, I was bobbing for french fries. It helps you bend. And you guys are like, you're not wanting to bend. It's like, no, I, I refuse to smile. Welcome to religion. All right? You know what I'm saying? The lady goes, oh, I don't want to sit by you. He goes, no problem, because this happened last time I flew. <laughs> Fluid. Fluid. Bend. Any of you have pictures of Jesus on your wall? Do any of them look like this? Any of them look like this? Any of them look like this? How about like this? Jesus is a happy Jesus. Jesus' soul is okay. You know what I'm talking about? There's no sin in his soul. There's no worry in his soul. There's no anxiety in his soul. And his word says to you in the new covenant... That when you come to Christ and your sin is pardoned and his righteousness is yours and the Holy Spirit is deposited in your life and your inheritance is in heaven, then a merry heart is like great medicine for your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just like joy actively works against disease, a crushed spirit works against health. If your spirit is crushed, it'll work against your health. And so if you are here today with a crushed spirit, I I implore you, come to a place of solidity in God and let him work in your spirit and let him bring you to a greater place of health. Anybody remember Irma Bombeck? That was for my my mom's generation. In church the other Sunday, I was intent on a small child who was turning around smiling at everyone. He wasn't gurgling, spitting, humming, kicking, tearing the hymnals, or rummaging through his mother's handbag. He was just smiling. Finally, his mother jerked him about and in a stage whisper that could be heard in a little theater off Broadway, said, stop that grinning. You're in church. With that, she gave him a belt, and as the tears rolled down his cheeks, added, that's better, and returned to her prayers. We sing, make a joyful noise unto the Lord while our faces reflect the sadness of one who just buried a rich aunt and who left everything to her pregnant hamster. (laughs) 
We chant, if I have not charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Translated in the parking lot, it comes out, and the same to you, fella. (laughs) Suddenly I was angry. It occurred to me that the entire world is in tears, and if you're not, then you'd better get with it. I wanted to grab this child with the tear-stained face close to me and tell him about my God, the happy God, the smiling God, the God who had to have a sense of humor to have created the likes of us. I wanted to tell him he understands, he is an understanding God, one who understands little children who pick their noses in church because they're bored. He understands the man in the parking lot who reads the comics while his wife goes into the service. He even understands my shallow prayers that implore, if you can't make me thin, then please make all my friends look fat. (laughs) I wanted to tell him I've given a few lumps in my time for daring to smile at religion. By tradition, one wears faith with the solemnity of a mourner, the gravity mask of tragedy, and the dedication of a rotary badge. What a fool, I thought. Here was a woman sitting next to the only thing left in our civilization, the only hope, our only miracle, our only promise of infinity. If he couldn't smile in church, where was there left to go? You get it? It's good for your soul to laugh. It's good to please the Lord with joy. It's fantastic. I have a couple things I don't have time to explain. I'll do those in another message. Here's five things. Number one, behold your belief. When you're trying to hold on to joy, behold your belief. And here's, what, here's a good starting point for all of us. All things work together for good to them who love God and your troubles. You say, hold on to that belief. Your joy, your joy, tackle your troubles. You say, I've got to develop this joy, but there's trouble over here. No, tackle your troubles. Find your funny. How long has it been since you really, really found something to be funny? Hold your happy. Number five, rest in your relationships. I'll come back to those in another talk. In the conclusion, my text, as I mentioned, is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the God of peace, it is God's peace that's at work in your soul. Now, it's not just God's peace, but God is peace. It's the God of peace. And you come in today and you say, you know, I got some issues in my soul. I got some worries. I got some heavy things on my mind. I got some some things that are distracting me. And the word of the Lord is that in your soul today, the God of peace has some work he wants to do in your whole spirit, in your whole soul, and in your whole body. Praise the Lord. The God of peace is at work. Maybe one of the best things that could happen is if maybe all all you could think about is worry and all you could think about is an issue and you step out and laugh a little bit with a guy on a stage on a Sunday morning and in your laughter you get a little dose of the God of peace. Praise God. You know, funny things happen in church. You know, I don't want to go through a bunch of them, but funny things happen in church. A pastor, this is a a validated and accurate story. The pastor was about to preach and he felt a sense of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy come on him, and it was the weirdest thing he'd ever heard in his life. But he wanted to obey the Lord, so he does it. He goes, uh, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Now he's embarrassed. What a bozo. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Let's 
close in prayer. They close in prayer. Knock on his door. He goes, hello. Hi, I'm a visitor here. This is my daughter, and she's in the final stages of cancer. And she can't sleep at night. And she's been awake night after night after night. And uh, the only thing she'd say every night is, Mommy, would you tell me Humpty Dumpty story again? And so when you said Humpty Dumpty, my little girl fell asleep right there in service. Several weeks later, they came back and all her cancer was gone. Right? I'm not going to be doing Humpty Dumpty, right? But if God tells me to, how many of y'all can handle Humpty Dumpty if your kid gets cured? You see what I'm saying? The God of peace. It says here, he's making my whole spirit, body, and soul blameless. God's at work in my soul. You say, I've been fighting depression for my whole life. God's at work in your soul. Or I've been fighting uh, something in my spirit. I've been fighting something in my body. This God of peace is at work in your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. And what's he doing? He's making it blameless. And the one thing I don't know how he's going to do, because I'm pretty messed up, and maybe you are too. But the Bible says, now unto him who is able to present Kent faultless. When I stand before God, I'm going to be faultless because that's what the God of peace promised to do in 1 Thessalonians 5. He's going to present you blameless body, soul, and spirit before the Lord. You're on your way to blameless. So lighten up. Well, I don't know if it's true. I kind of doubt it. No, it says in this passage, he is faithful and he will surely do it. Well, it's been a week. He'll be faithful. He'll surely do it. It's been a year. He'll be faithful. He'll surely do it. It's been five years, 10 years. He'll be faithful and he'll surely do it. I drive to Tulsa one year from Springfield, Missouri to see my aunt because she was passing away. My mom's sister, Aunt Betty Jo. I go to see Aunt Betty Jo and she's dying of pancreatic cancer, died a couple of days, I think, after I left. But I say, Aunt Betty Joe, I just wanted to see you one more time. I wanted to hang out with you. I wanted to talk to you again. She said, oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. Here's the song God gave me. It was Kathy Tricoli. She put her finger on her cassette player, and out came the song, uh, My life is in your hands. And she's sitting there, happy as can be, because God has no, let her know in her spirit and in her soul that her body is in his hands. And here's my aunt about to die full of faith and joy and confidence because my life is in your hands. It's fantastic. So I say, Aunt Betty Jo, I got to go. She goes, one thing, Kent, because I'm about to see the Lord and I won't be here. When I was pregnant with your cousin Brian, who's older than me, I'm 58, he's probably 64. When I was pregnant with your cousin Brian, the Lord spoke to me that he had a special purpose for Brian's life. And all these years, he hasn't done the purpose for God, God's purpose for his life. So when I'm gone, will you hold unto faith that my son Brian will come to the purpose God gave to him? It's been almost 65 years and he's not there yet. But he who called you is faithful. Say it with me. He who called you is faithful. I'll stop there. I got three more points, but 
there, right there. Praying, it says pray for us. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Relationship. And then it's all by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, as we close, I just want this to spill out right now, God, all over us. Over every woman, every teen, every, every, every elder, every man. Lord, may every part of MCA have that sense that this God who is faithful, this God of peace is at work in my soul. God, you're at work in my happiness. You're at work like to laugh at. You're at work in my joy. You're at work in my happiness. You're at work in my grief. You're at work in my sorrow. You're at work in every area of my life. Amen, God. I trust you today. I trust you today. Amen. I trust you today with my soul. Praise the Lord. If there's sin in your spirit, just confess it to the Lord. Say, God, I want to get rid of that. It's, it's raking havoc on my soul. It's wreaking havoc on my body. Lord, it, it, uh, this attitude in me is dangerous or it's toxic. Uh, this uh, this uh, thing I hold on to is, is poisoning my system. God, I, I confess that to you and I give it to you. I want to be toxicity free. Amen. I get rid of the toxicity of, of inappropriate anger. I get rid of the toxicity of, of, a, uh, uh, of guilt and shame. Praise God. I want to say one gift of the Spirit today. Last night, the Lord clo- showed me clearly that in this service, there would be people here who are confused between condemnation and conviction. And I almost couldn't get away to get home to sleep because it was so heavy on my... Condemnation is I am no good. Condemnation is I am no good. And that's never from God. Because God created you. He created you with a blueprint. And you are good. He loves you. He created you. Conviction is I have done something that isn't good. And when I come to Christ, it'll be forgiven. So for those of you today, you're just, you're just hanging out with, I'm no good. That is not from God. God is not telling you you're no good. God is not telling you you have no future. God is not condemning you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Conviction is when God goes, you know what? You're my kid, and I don't want that in your life. Come to me and let me clean it up. Amen? So God, for those today that struggle with the difference between condemnation and conviction, those who struggle with this sense that I'm no good, maybe somebody said that over their life or maybe they adopted that belief early on. Today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the peaceful God, the faithful God, the eternal God, be at work in their spirit and in their soul and draw them to yourself and remove all the effects of those damaging words and beliefs that they've held all these years. And Lord, we're going to end happy, Lord willing, as we take the cup and the bread today. May we remember because of him, I'm in the will. Amen. My sin is pardoned. I have the righteousness of Christ. The Holy Spirit has been deposited in my body. And my eternal reward is in heaven. Amen. Please go receive communion at your convenience. God bless you. Because you are good and I dance. Because you are good and I shout. Because you are good. You are good to me. Oh, and I sing. Because you 
are good and I dance because you are good and I shout because you are good, you are good to me. I want to 